the word of the Lord came to the son of Amittai, saying, Go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it. Its wickedness has come up before me. And when the word of the Lord comes, we must respond. And Jonah is left to wonder, thinking the word of the Lord resounding in his head. He knows that the word of the Lord has come to him and it can't be unsaid. And yet he thinks of Nineveh. Of all places, Nineveh. To leave Israel and safety and sanctuary and homeland and go to Nineveh. This is Nineveh of which another prophet will go on to say, a city of crime, utterly treacherous, full of violence, where killing never stops. This is Nineveh of which years later a poet would write, a prudent city, uh, the quote, a prudent city riding a rock is better than stupid Nineveh that has been destroyed. Thanks. This is Nineveh, capital of the Assyrian Empire, and Assyria and Israel have never been friends, and certainly not the kind of friends where you feel comfortable going to them and saying, uh, by the way, everything you're doing is detestable to the Lord. And not only to go to Nineveh, but to preach against it, one person armed with the word of the Lord against the city. To call them out on what the Lord thinks of their sins and their acts, to call them out on their evil. What would you do? Jonah hears the word of the Lord and in response he goes the opposite direction. Not just the opposite direction, but to the edge of the land and rents a boat so he could go further. He thinks something like, this word of the Lord has come to me, but God is the God of Israel and so I will go from Israel to anywhere else. He runs from the God of the entire earth. He gets to Joppa, hires a boat. As soon as they make sail, he retreats to his cabin, the Word of the Lord still resounding in his head. There is a responsibility that the Lord has called him to. The word that the God has spoken. Finally, bouncing between thoughts of fear and thoughts of guilt, he drifts off to sleep somehow. But he's awoken by the captain. When he awakes, he notes the ship is different. Not the ship, the, the sea. The sea is shaking so much that it feels like the boat is coming apart. Even the captain, who looks like he was born at sea, is struggling to keep his feet. So wild is the storm. The captain says, get up, man. How can you slip? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us and we will not die. But Jonah says, nothing. He has a fair inkling now of which God sent this storm. And it's no local God at all. But he follows the captain up to the deck, silent and growing whiter. And the scene on the deck is startling against the backdrop of the wind and the waves like he's never seen. The sailors are praying, shouting in different tongues to their different gods. And though he can't understand the language, the message is clear. Spare us, save us. But the wind and the waves keep drowning those words out. After a few minutes, it becomes clear that the only answer that they will get is in the fury of this storm as it continues to deluge them with water and lift the deck underneath their feet. And so in desperation they turn to casting lots and they cast the lots and it comes to this man Jonah and they ask him, who are you and who is your God? Because this is one thing that Jonah didn't grasp, that freedom is found in hearing the word of the Lord and responding to it. And slavery is found in running from it. 
Hearing that word is freedom. To follow Christ and be a slave to him is freedom. The freedom to live within the God-shaped world, living in a God-shaped way. That is freedom that lies within the word of God. That's the freedom that lies within responding to the word of God rightly. And so often we think in our sinful hearts to be free is to do whatever I want to do. To live how I want to live so our hearts tarnished with sin think that we would be better to ignore the word of God and down that road is only ever sin and idolatry and slavery to sin. To be stuck on this road that curves down back within us and leads down into death. Leads, leads down into death. We say, I want to be free to use my money however I want. Stuff this stewardship thing. I want to use it to worship at the shopping altar, freely buying what will make me happy for seconds so that I can do it again. We say, I want to be free to determine my own self-worth and identity, to be me, and believe that whatever anyone else thinks of me is more important than what God says. Rather than the word that says you are deeply, fully loved in your every insecurity and fear because Jesus laid down his life. Rather than the word of the Lord that lends us the freedom to live within the God-shaped world, living in a god shaped way. And the word of the Lord came to these sailors, these sons of the sea. And when the word of the Lord comes, we must respond. And the word of the Lord said that this man was a Hebrew who worshipped this God, Yahweh. He said, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. It was difficult not to notice that he'd put the sea first. It seemed especially pertinent to their situation. And the word of the Lord came to these sailors and they responded. They quaked in fear and trembled for their lives. Because even though they didn't know this God, they could see his fury written in the rain that was driving in their faces and they could see his power shouted from each murderous clap of thunder. And in response to the word of the Lord, they shook in fear because this God was going to take their ship and their livelihood and their lives. And in response they say, what must we do to be saved? What, what must we do to calm this sea and escape the anger of this God? This man Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will be calm. This is my fault. But that didn't sound right at all. This man was of God and God made the sea and if he's angry now and he wants us to kill this man who belongs to him. So to a man, they dug in their oars, trying to best the waves that wrestled with the ship, trying to strike the land, but it was difficult even to know where that was anymore. So turned around were they from the surges of the waves and the wind that speared the rain into their eyes. And it becomes clear, crystal clear, that there is no other option. Either this one man must be sacrificed, so that they might live, or they will all die. So they beg for mercy from this Lord. Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable, for you have done as you please. And they threw Jonah in, and he goes down, plunges into darkness. And then the seas are still. And the black clouds unveil the sky, and the sun emerges to dry the rain from their skin, and peace is restored. And the second thing that Jonah didn't understand was that you cannot stop the word of the Lord. 
You either hear the word of the Lord now when it calls you to obedience, or you hear the word of the Lord when it calls you to account in judgment. In our wrong-headed humanness, we often think that what can the Lord, word of the Lord do to us when surely we're the ones who should decide what right and wrong is. Not some stuffy old book. So we do a cut-and-paste job with the Bible's call to live a Jesus-shaped life. Filtering out the stuff that we don't want to think about, that makes me a bit too uncomfortable, that might actually involve us changing our lives or putting idols to death. But this is the word of the Lord. Unchanging as he is unchanging. And that has been speaking before our birth and will continue after our death. And it is the word that will confront us after we have died. It is the word that he will speak when we're called to account for our days. And he says, what did you do with all that I commanded you to do? Show me how you listened when I spoke my word to you. And don't get me wrong, brothers and sisters, we're saved by grace alone. There's no amount of fulfilling biblical commands that can save us. But it is only through the gospel that we can be saved. It's only by understanding that Jesus on the cross went through the judgment that we deserve. And yet that same grace is magnified and enlarged and shaped in our hearts by this same word. It's this same word that emboldens our hearts to love as Jesus loved, to take on our shoulders the cross that our Lord took up. Hear the word as it calls you to respond. The word of the Lord came to these sailors, these sons of the Galilean Sea, and when the word of the Lord comes, we must respond. And the word came from the lips of this man they were following, a Nazarene. And he slipped as the wind and the waves broke over the boat. And these sailors shook in fear because... This God was going to take their ship and their livelihood and their lives. And in response they say, Teacher, do you not care that we're dying? Not knowing they said this to the one who would drown in death for their sakes. And this man Jesus speaks, but he speaks not to them, but to the waves, to the wind and the storm. And they hear him even over the thunder of the storm. He says, Silence, be still. And it is. And the word of the Lord comes to them as Jesus turns to them and says, Have you no faith? And so to a man they dug in their hearts for the faith to respond to this word of the Lord. To ask, who is this man who commands the winds and the waves to be still? The word of the Lord came to the son of Joseph, the son of God. And this word said, go into Israel and preach against it, for the kingdom of heaven is coming. And soon the word of the Lord is resounding throughout the kingdom. Turn and repent, for the kingdom is near. He preaches of the judgment to come. And when the word of the Lord comes, we must respond. For he knows, Jesus knows, that this is the start of something greater. That the kingdom of Israel is the seed from which the kingdom of heaven will grow. He knows that it is the kingdom of darkness itself that will be broken open for those caught in darkness have seen a great light. And the word is preached through Israel and into Jerusalem and over Passover until the word of the Lord dies upon an executionist's plank. This one man sacrificed so all might live as he plunges down into darkness for three days. 
And God's anger is stilled. And his judgment unveils his mercy and grace begins to show us the way we shall live. And peace is restored. The word of the Lord came to the sons of the father at a church in Erskineville. And when the word comes, we must respond. As we heard at the start of the service today, from Psalm 95. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at Massa in the wilderness, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. We've heard the word of the Lord this morning. And before we sing uh, to finish our time together, uh, we're going to pause and reflect uh, in silence as we do each week to consider what we do when we hear the word 